All right, glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza and some good news on the economy. I love good news on the economy. Spending in May, consumer spending expected to, well, some point rebound. I didn't think we'd see this. I didn't think we'd see this till we got July's numbers. And now we're seeing it from May. In other words, spending numbers, consumer spending in May, retail sales posted stunning gains, showing growth, which, uh, by the way, that is so dramatic, described by one news outlet as massively, massively better than expected. Oh, bad news if if you're a radical leftist extreme socialist because you want Donald Trump out no matter what. Anyway, the rebound was so strong, so good, so big, so powerful um, with various parts of the economy reopened. And again, maybe at this point, we're thinking about what, 20 states, 20, not a lot. Um, Bank of America's real time credit card tracker suggesting strength in the airlines, restaurant, furniture stores. And according to Zero Hedge, uh, the actual data was massively better than expected. Uh, The Commerce Department. They have now said overall retail receipts rose 17.7% last month after falling the month before by a record 14.7%. Now, that gain exceeded the previous record increase of 6.7% only in October 2001 as Americans resumed spending. And that was after, you know, what happened to America on September 11, 2001. Retail sales, anyway... um, an amazing jump, amazing rebound, also strong auto sales. I got anecdotally, I actually have friends that are in the automobile business. I had a problem with my car. I, I needed the guy to fix it. And I just happened to ask, so, you know, I bet it's, things are probably really slow for you guys right now. He goes, no, just the opposite. I, I can't keep enough cars in stock. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, people that have been holding back, waiting, they're at home, and they're they're calling us up. We're bringing cars out to them. We're giving, you know, and and he says, actually, we've had a phenomenal couple of months. I said, oh, that's awesome. Uh, anyway, so the closely watched retail control figure, which further excludes building materials, food services, gasoline uh, sales, as well as setting aside automo- automotive related sales. That was up 11 percent. The report showed um, just just I mean, it's such a big news. It is the biggest jump ever. What else can you say? The biggest jump ever and uh you know consumer uh optimism is rebounding a whole lot faster uh, than expected as well i mean that's all good news why because we want to get this country up and working again america you know it's kind of funny you know i i know so many people that have retired friends of mine people that i know that are older that i'm friendly with they all dying to retire they retire they retire they are another six weeks and i retire another Four years, two months, and 17 days, and I retire. Then they retire, and the next thing that happens is, you know, I'll check in with them. How's retirement? In the beginning, it's usually the same answer. Oh, it's great. Retirement is awesome. Love retirement. Um, I'm like, wow, okay, that's 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 pretty cool. Um, and uh, then you talk to them a few months after that, and what do you hear? Uh, yeah, that's okay. You know, I kind of never thought I'd say this. I might be missing work a little bit. And then you talk to them months later and they can't stand it. They've done all the fishing. They've done all the golfing. They've done the whatever they love to do thing, hunting, fishing, 
traveling. You know, the only person, Linda, you'll like this and appreciate this. You know who loves his retirement more than anybody, and I never would have expected it, is Neil Bortz. Yeah, but Neil, Neil Bortz is out there on the boat. He's in the beautiful water. He's no, he's not around. on the boat. No, he's on that Bortz bus. He he's on the, the bus still? I thought he went back to the boat. No, he keeps turning in the old bus and gets like a new bus every year or oh, two. Oh, Lord. And he sends me, no, um, what do you mean? It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's a big, huge, massive, tricked out bus. I mean, okay. it's got TVs and every luxury you can imagine. All right. And, and he even drives the thing. And I'm like, and, and his wife, Donna, drives the thing. I'm like, I don't know how you drive that thing. And a couple of times earlier, I, I expected Bortz was going to be sick of vacation. He's not. He's like, I'm loving it. Doesn't life suck being retired, he always says to me. Having a good day, he'll send to me in a bad day. <laughs> I'm like, you know, all right, if you're having a great time, do you, and you know, and you know, it's a, a total shift, Adam Schiff show oh, yeah. in my life. And I'm like, and I'm like really, really, Bortz? I love you, but really, you know, you got to you know, shove it right in my face. He's like one of the few, though. Everybody else, they, they, I think I might get back part-time. I think I'm going to do consulting. I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to open a new business. I'm, um, I, you know, I say to myself all the time, oh, I can retire. Just forget it. Just who needs this? I sound like an old person, right? But Well, I mean, I'm just waiting for the conversation to take its way into the woods. I'm just waiting. I'm counting down until we get to the woods again. You really want to go there? I mean, I, I was assuming you were because that's what happens. We no, always that's end not up what in the I was. Go- I was not planning on the woods oh, at all. We're staying out of the woods. Was, today? Okay, where are we going? No, the woods. I was, well, the woods is simple. If I ever got to a point where I was conscious and I knew it was over, uh-huh. I would throw one hell of a big party. Again, uh-huh. assuming I'm physically able to do it. Okay. And I would then say my goodbyes. Mm-hmm. I want to be remembered alive, not you know this disintegrating person in a bed that you know, needs his diapers changed. And that happens to people. I, you know, and I was involved in taking care of elderly people in my life. It's, you know, I don't mind, I didn't mind doing it at all. And it's hard, hard on families, et cetera. I don't want to be a burden at, at that point, nor do I want to be remembered that way. That's mm-hmm. why I'm against open caskets. I want my casket closed. Thank you very much. I want it why? closed. I want you to remember me as I was when I was alive. Are you going to pick why. a picture that you want framed on top There's of the casket? There's not going to be any pictures of me framed. No pictures. Well, how are they going to know it's you? The, you just have to guess. You'll have to have faith in the, the <laughs> faith in the, the two people that I, you know, have uh, uh, that will have knowledge of it. Oh, Ethan has just, a great idea. We'll have a picture of you in your dojo sitting on top of the casket. You in your finest moment. Okay, I don't have. The, day, no I'm less. hoping this doesn't happen anytime soon. I'm not. Well, I'm not planning not on this. I don't want anybody to die. Um, but it is, I don't know. Uh, all right, let's get so to what you're really news. saying is for Father's Day, you want, you know, nothing. people to go out and get no, one for I, your dime I, I for yourself. Nothing. You want a board's bus. No, I don't want any of that. I just can't <laughs> imagine that I, he really likes it. But a lot of people I know, they think it's going to be the greatest thing ever. You know, I listen, I go fishing usually once a year when I go out fishing. My, my kids like to fish okay. and I'll, I'll go on that one long trip and I, I, I just can't wait to get back home. Mm-hmm. I hate and they always want to do the full day. Now we'll do the half a day. All right. Half a day plus. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'll pay for the full day, but really make it like a little over a half a day. I can't imagine you wanting to do it in a hurry, considering how relaxed and, and how calm you are all the time. You know, I, I know so people odd. get enjoy. I, I'm, I'm guilty. I don't know what it means to relax. I, I have no idea what that means. Uh-huh. I think Very on true. the right boat and the right trip, a full day you would enjoy personally. Speaking. No, I no, I wouldn't. 
I'm just telling you. I could one I of those big right tuna, now. one of those big marlin. You would enjoy. You would definitely get you know, the physical. Listen, I am the biggest fan of Deadliest Catch and Wicked Tuna. Love those shows. I watch those shows. Man, they, I just especially lately. It's been more Deadliest Catch. I watched a lot of seasons of Wicked Tuna, and I mean, it's a dangerous job. I don't know what that was. James screaming in there somewhere. What happened? He's laughing, so it's okay. Uh, anyway, so I honestly, I, I just want to, you know, I, I, that would fascinate me. Getting one of those, where do they go fishing? The Bering Sea, I guess, somewhere in, I forget. For deadliest catches, the Bering Sea, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and they, they drop their crab, you know, what do you call those? Crab, not nets, Pots. Cages, pots. pots. Okay, yeah. Drop them in the water, and then they come back. And the, I mean, you're getting swells 20, 25 feet, man. This thing is rocking and rolling, and it's dangerous. Some people die on these boats, and they actually, you know, tell you about the people that died. And and then you then you have the frustration. You're getting nothing. You go out there, you put the pots out, you go back later, and you get three crabs that you have to throw back. And then all of a sudden, you hit the jackpot. Then you hit the jackpot again. Then you hit the jackpot again. Then you're on a roll. I mean... It is it is so cool what they do. And then you find out at the end who made what, how many how many pounds is it in wicked tuna, you know, what's the color and then you sit there the guy that takes a look cuts the you know cuts the tuna, all right, looks at its color, very oily, da 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 da. They look at yeah, that's uh yeah, not the greatest. Uh, you're only getting well fourteen. Always going to the negative, <laughs> or twenty four dollars, and then they hit the jackpot on another one. And it, and it's about the quality. The demand is there. Um, there's been, I guess, a shortage of tuna, but um, I don't know if I could do it. I, I don't. I don't think Linda's cut out for that either. But you're so much younger, you can't even be thinking about that ever. And none of I'm you can. I mean, I'll you lost, you guys you lost me at crab pots. I, I, this is worse than football. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, you, all right, literally. Do you, do you like to eat crab? I like, you like crab food. cakes. I'm not a picky eater. Do you yeah, like, like crab legs? I like everything. Do you ever have colossal crab legs? No. Never? No. I've never been on a fishing boat. I've never been fishing You don't have to life. be on a fishing boat. You can actually buy them in the store. No, I've never bought them in the store. I don't like to see them moving in the case. It freaks me out. I don't like that. You, oh, boy. You it's very upsetting. Oh, you can actually get them frozen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, anyway. All right. All right. Let me get back to the show. It's been very informative. Really Thank yet. you, Sean. Anyway, right. so we have good news there. Um, it's But now the, I think I got off on this tangent because every, now things are coming back. You don't appreciate work unless you're not working. You don't appreciate how good the economy is until you, you go through a, a hiccup like co- what coronavirus did when we shut down the whole economy. It's kind of, and I know everybody I know is like dying to get back to work, dying. And they, they seem to be coming back. Now, we're an essential business. We never shut down. A lot of New York shut down. Um, some would say not really essential, but whatever. And, but everybody on our team, radio and TV, they all worked and they worked hard. But I know people that, you know, can't work. Uh, I talked to a buddy of my, mine that's a waiter just yesterday and he's dying to get back to work, dying. Uh, I have other friends of mine dying to get back to work. Then you you get back to work and it's like, oh, thank God. They go in back to work with an appreciation because now you know what it was like not having a job and it sucked. You know, because you also have, in those cases, the added anxiety of, okay, I got to survive now. I'm in survival mode. 
Um, I know my local food bank um, was literally and, you know, begging people to help. And I was glad to do it in my case. But there were so many families that, you know, they and somebody was made an observation. Well, they're coming in a nice cars. I said, OK, they're coming in nice cars, but they don't have any money. So that's why they need the food to just temporarily get them over. Or maybe it was while Nancy Pelosi was busy funding the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Kennedy Arts Center that she didn't have, you know, she wouldn't, she was playing politics and otherwise people could have gotten money earlier that was meant and designed to help them. And the money, for example, the, the loans that were given, small businesses in part, were so that you keep your employees working, even if maybe they're not doing the same amount of work, just to get over the hump, you, you level the curve a little bit and then you have the decline and slowly we're getting back to normal. We're going to have to deal with the hot spots when they happen. But everybody I know has an appreciation for work that they didn't have before. Now, my team doesn't know anything else. But if you work for me, there's certain rules. I buy lunch for radio. I buy TV for dinner. Why? Because I'm generous. No, it is a sinister trick. So they don't leave their desks. And the stuff that Linda orders is the weirdest crap you've ever seen in your life. It's disgusting healthy. orange soups and and green like yeah. mush everything. Because I'm not ready to go into the woods yet. It's disgusting. I want to live a little while. It, okay, I'm not. I, I if I meant not eating that crap that you eat, I'd rather <laughs> die. Hey, I'm start. I'm starting to eat kale too. So calm down. Okay, well, I don't know. You've been influenced. A bad influence. Okay, oh, whatever. You guys have fun. Anyway, as we roll along, eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? You know, the level of ignorance among the Holly, among Hollywood celebrities, Chelsea Handler, Jessica Chastain, let's see, Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Gardner, Michelle Pfeiffer, they're actually praising Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan, Nation of Islam, is a, is a virulent anti-Semite. God te- teaches me that the, the in his stupid newspaper, whatever it's called, uh, you know, that the white man is the skunk of the planet Earth. The comments he's made, the anti-Semitic comments are just, they're so well known. You know, it, you know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Do they know anything? He's a virulent, anti-Semitic, homophobic, you know, racist. I, I don't even know what to, what to say about it. White folks are going down. There you go. And Satan is going down. And Farrakhan, by God's grace, has pulled the cover off of that satanic Jew. And I'm here to say, your time is up. Well, sounds like the guy, I wonder if Donald Trump retweeted somebody like that. How would people feel? Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. All right, we'll get to the news. Promise when we get back, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program, Ami Horowitz infiltrates the autonomous zone. Also coming up. On the night of September the 17th, 1985, I was carried up on that mountain in a vision with a few friends of mine. As we reached the top of the mountain... A wheel or what you call an unidentified flying object appeared at the side of the mountain and I was called from the wheel to come up 
into the wheel. Three metal legs appeared from the wheel, giving me the impression that it was going to land, but it never came over the mountain. Being somewhat afraid, I called to the members of my party to come with me, but a voice from the wheel spoke saying, not them, just you. I was told to relax and a beam of light came from the wheel and I was carried up on this beam of light into the wheel. I sat next to the pilot. However, I could not see him. I could only feel his presence. As the wheel lifted off from the side of the mountain, moving at a terrific speed, I knew I was being transported to the mother wheel or the mother plane, which is a human-built planet a half a mile by a half a mile, which the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us of for over 60 years. Okay, let's praise that guy. Uh the mother wheel, the mother shift, ho- ship hovering above the earth. I was, I was literally, I don't even want to go over it. It's just nuts. Um, we have, uh, well, Joe Biden, I mentioned this uh, earlier. Apparently, not only did he praise Robert KKK Bird and lie when he said the NAACP endorsed him, and not only he said you can't go to a 7-Eleven Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent, and for the first time ever. First time you have an African-American who's bright, articulate and clean. That's storybook, man. Wow. Okay. now he's uh, oh, he honored the uh, Confederate Army as fine people. The senator made a very moving and eloquent speech as a son of the Confederacy. You know what? And then he praises Robert KKK Byrd, former head of the Klan. Imagine if any of these things were about Donald Trump, where we'd be. Um, now Maxine Waters, police reform is not enough, she said. Okay, uh, what's your idea? Because defunding the police isn't going to work. It's not going to happen. Uh, you have the uh, mayor, the, the Seattle thing is just fascinating to me. You have the mayor out there in Washington, Cheryl Selby, vocal supporter. Now remember, there's, there's, two, there's a distinction, and I think you have to make it. Black Lives Matter, the group that chanted, what do we want dead cops? Why do we want them now? And pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon. The peaceful protesters, you know, they, they don't know anything about that part of Black Lives Matter. They just say it, Black Lives Matter. And, and there is a distinction um, in terms of it. I think it needs to be pointed out. Uh, anyway, her home was vandalized during demonstrations uh, and called it domestic terrorism, she said. The, apparently, the Olympian reported late last week two groups converged downtown Olympia and some became destructive, burning flags, smashing windows, spray painting businesses before moving into Mayor Selby's neighborhood and vandalizing her home. And they chanted abolish the police outside of her home while some people were spraying, painting Black Lives Matter on her door and porch nearby Man reportedly got the protesters to leave, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, tr- I'm really trying to process this, she said. It's like domestic terrorism. It's unfair. It hurts when you're giving so much to your community, she said. Well, what about the businesses inside of the autonomous zone or the what she calls the free love zone where you have potluck spaghetti dinners and the, the summer of love zone 
uh, Chaz, Chop, whatever they're calling it now, because those are all things she has said. There are businesses and there are homes there, and many of them have been vandalized. Now, Shelby Talcott works for the Daily Caller. She did a report on it. Let's play what she got from being inside the autonomous, you know, free love zone. Listen. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah, somebody broke into our shop and lit it on fire. Really? Yes. Did, is the guy, they seem to think that the guys you've detained the person. Me, please. Thank you. Yeah, you can step over here right now. Over here. Right here. Uh, he's gone. He ran off. We let him. Go. We, we told him to leave. If there any, I guess the question is, do they really let care? Speak. Let speak. Do they really care? Bye, audience. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, I mean, if they really care, I mean, maybe they'll show up and talk to me tomorrow, but they probably won't. Okay. I can't even get the police to show up. I can't get the fire department to show up. Okay. I mean, I had to put the fire out myself. And the fire department's one block away. Fire department's one block away. They're still active. And this kind of mob stuff, that yeah. doesn't work. Amen. Amen. And, and I'm not doing that stuff. And 60, I caught somebody, I caught somebody, I caught somebody in my building with my property. So the police I detained him. Saying they don't cover I detained this area. him. Unless there's mass casualty, the police are saying they're not going to cover this area. So I detained him. I'm trying to let him, get him to let us frisk him to see what he had of our property still. And he wouldn't let us frisk him. So you've got all these people out here saying that we had him at gunpoint. We didn't have him at gunpoint. There's an yeah. attorney that was here yeah. that we let in here to make sure he was safe, that he wasn't being hurt. Thank you for that. And this is what I get. Thank you for keeping him safe. There was, there were... If your district representative comes here tomorrow, Kashama Sawant, would you meet with her? Absolutely. <laughs> Well, that's happening in time inside the Chaz Zone, Chop Zone, Autonomous Zone, Free Love Zone, Summer of Free Love, One Big Street Party Zone, uh, Potluck Spaghetti Dinner Zone, as described by the mayor, who doesn't do a thing to restore order for that guy, because that's his business inside the zone that's taken over, where, and but when our own home is vandalized, oh... I'm really trying to process this. It's like domestic terrorism is so unfair. Well, what about that guy? Is that unfair, mayor? It's unreal. President keeps saying we're set to go. And in reality, the president has all the authority to go in. He does. He can he can go in. He can absolutely positively take control, constitutional authority to do it. He's letting the mayor and the governor figure out their own problems and i guess if it gets to that moment we'll probably know exactly when that mo- moment is but summer of love mayor tells trump seattle's fine don't be afraid of democracy well, apparently she didn't like democracy when it ended up on her doorstep and the president you know taking some sh- shots obviously at the mayor and the the, the, the the governor's impotent he's useless summer of anarchy is more likely likely and they're aiding and abetting law-breaking and anarchy. They're literally helping all of this happen. And they're and I'll tell you, then you try, and you see other cities now. They're trying to have these uh, chop zone, chaz zones, etc. Ami Horowitz will join us uh, at the top of our news roundup hour. He's actually infiltrated the autonomous zone. Um, cops have been completely abandoned by the mayor. Is a Seattle radio talk show host. 
Jason Rance was on Fox and Friends saying that officers with the Seattle Police Department feel like they've been completely abandoned by the city's mayor, adding that they are right to feel that way. Made the comments the day after the Seattle police chief uh, announced that she had empathy that policing will never be the same following the national outcry. Now, we could make improvements. You know, absolutely. Can we, we can make improvements. The president outlined them today. And the president went into great specificity and great detail. Now, unless somebody's life is in jeopardy, he's banning chokeholds. He's also talking about new training. Um, the president also talked about, um, by the way, unless there's a life-threatening situation and you've you got to fight for your life, then it's whatever you got to do to save your life, which everybody would understand. And uh, also the president, what I like the most is he said, you know, we can come up with other ways that that police can defend themselves and defend cities that are non-lethal but actually work. I've never been a fan of these stupid stun guns. I think they're awful. You know, with the wires flying out of it, it's just a dumb... It can work at short range, but that's it. It can't work at long range. It just doesn't work at long range. Oh, you got... One of the MSDNC reporters, Conspiracy TV, blasted on air by protesters for describing CHOP as a street festival. Yeah, so you have this... MSDNC reporter in the autonomous zone anyway, and describing it as a street festival. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they are listening to this while speaking with the protesters. Well, one of the persons said that uh, it's been peaceful following a clash. No, it's not a street festival with a, with a very intentional purpose. And uh, it's not a street festival, not a street festival. Don't say that. Shame on you for saying that. I mean, okay. Obviously, you can't call it a street festival if you're in the the peace zone, the summer of love zone. I mean, it's madness. Um, multiple Atlanta officers have resigned. We had conflicting reports last night. First it was yes, then it was no. Anyway, a lot of people, we see this now going on around the country, Minneapolis, elsewhere. They're getting out. They don't want to do the job. These are people, by the way, that earlier Monday, the Atlanta Police Foundation reported 19 resignations in the past week. They took back that claim, affirming that there have been eight resignations. Other officers that are in a place where they can retire and get their pension, they get out. They would otherwise probably stay with all their experience. Well, they want it. They love their jobs. They want to continue to serve and protect. They're leaving um, in. Uh, let's see. Detroit's recent move to defund the police. That's that's had serious consequences. Uh, that has been reported on in one case, uh, no better case study than the city of Detroit. One of America's, you know, they have a lot of violence issues, which cut back their police force and funding during their bankruptcy settled in 2014. Police for the funding for the police has fallen 20 percent since then. Wages were cut 10 percent, never recovered, uh, even accounting for inflation. Health benefits for retired officers were stripped away. Pension payments deferred. You work your whole life, you get your pension, you, they get to steal it? Because that's what it sounds like to me. There have been 100 homicides so far this year, 25% spike over last year, 271 non-fatal shootings. You know, we had 34 shot in Chicago. I wonder if anybody's ever heard the names of any of them. Two died. Uh, you have the, you know, other people. The Democratic Party is just owning this. And they're, they're not being pressured to. Morale in these police departments has, has just plummeted. You know, rioting, looting, fallout. 
you know, from the arson. I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars when you put everything together. Remember that Vegas cop that was shot in the back of the head? Yeah, during the protest, paralyzed and remains on a ventilator. We're now over 800 officers that have been hurt. Bottles and Molotov cocktails and bricks and, and rocks. Great. Um, Florida wildlife conservation officer was shot in the head. Three in custody there. According to Fox 13, uh, he was off duty at the time, responded to the scene. I don't know what the cause of that was, but shows you how dangerous life is. And it shows the need for cops. And who are you going to call if you need cops? Uh, Congresswoman Omar clammed up when apparently when asked who investigates crimes, who's going to arrest the criminals? You know, do we really need to hear from any politician in Chicago? Congressman Bobby Rush, Chicago Police Union and the KKK are kissing cousins. Cops aren't taking this. You know, whatever happened, we don't sweep, make broad sweeping generalizations. We don't do that. I could tell you the Daily Caller had a very sad piece about what we know about the officer now paralyzed in Vegas. I and mean, it's just so sad. Well, he lives on a ventilator now, paralyzed from the neck down, unable to speak, four-year veteran, comes from a law enforcement family. He's 29 years old, shot in the head. Well, they didn't compassion for him. I have it. Did we forget about cops on 9-11? A lot of people seem to have done so. And it's just sad, the whole thing. New York's not really any better. Also in Detroit, their move to defund police had serious consequences. Uh, According to one report, foxnews.com, children are dying. Multiple Atlanta officers, I told you, resigned. Comrade de Blasio. Now, they have the, the best picture on the front page of the New York Post today. This is fine. You have all these people, no social distancing. This is dangerous. And then you have people just hanging out in the streets, a little more social distancing, not quite the concentration by any means. Such hypocrisy. Uh, De Blasio rips the quarantine, uh, ripped by quarantine New Yorkers. He was marching in East Harlem. Really? But everybody else can't do what he does. He also had he he cut uh, locked up some of the parks where kids play and people just took out the bolt cutters and said, no, we're going to do what we're going to do. Uh, All right, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. We'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll get into the legal side of some of these things. We'll talk about the president's reform measures as well. President Obama and Vice President Biden never even tried to fix this during their eight-year period. The reason they didn't try is because they had no idea how to do it. And it is a complex situation. Under the executive order I'm signing today, we will prioritize federal grants from the Department of Justice to police departments that seek independent credentialing, certifying that they meet high standards. And in fact, in certain cases, the highest standard. That's where they do the best on the use of force and de-escalation training. For example, many believe that proper training might have prevented the tragic deaths of Antoine Rose and Botham Jean. As part of this new credentialing process, chokeholds will be banned, except if an officer's life is at risk. And I will say we've dealt with all of the various departments and everybody said, it's time, we have to do it. Additionally, we're looking at new advanced and powerful, less lethal weapons to help prevent deadly interactions. 
New devices are being developed all the time, and we're looking at the best of them. And cost is no object. No object. Under this executive order, departments will also need a share of information about credible abuses so that officers with significant issues do not simply move from one police department to the next. That's a problem. And the heads of our police department said, whatever you can do about that, please let us know. We're letting you know. We're doing a lot about it. In addition, my order will direct federal funding to support officers in dealing with homeless individuals and those who have mental illness and substance abuse problems. All right. Glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this uh, program, uh, joining us now, David Schoen, civil liberties attorney. By the way, he's also now working on Roger Stone's case and former board member of the Alabama Civil Liberties Union, Horace Cooper, legal commentator, co-chair, excuse me, of the Black Leadership Network Project 21, author of a soon-to-be-released book, How Trump is Making Black America Great Again. Welcome both of you back to the program. Uh, Eliminating chokeholds, more training, looking for new technologies, non-lethal options uh, for police that are effective, and and hopefully that means less death in these encounters. That obviously wouldn't have helped in the George Floyd case. Uh, None of that ever should have happened. We all agree on that. Um, but let me start with you, Horace, and uh, and ask you uh, about the president's reforms today. Uh, I think the database idea is good, too, because we keep finding out cops involved in a lot of these incidents have a long history of this. Transparency, information gathering is always good. It's great for local communities. It's great for the media to put in context what's happening. I am a big fan of it, and I know the president um, has been striving as much as possible to demonstrate that this federal government is interested in the lives and livelihoods of black Americans as just as much as it is for the rest. This is another good example of that. And, you know, I, I just think a lot of it's overdue. You know, David, we always talk about we learn a lot of things. We learned a lot with coronavirus. Uh, you don't put COVID-19 patients in nursing homes and long term care facilities like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And, you know, Governor shut down Whitmer. They made a lot of dumb decisions. Very different down in Florida, where they literally uh, used every agency and the National Guard early to go into those facilities to protect the most vulnerable. So we learn things. You know, for example, it infuriates me that the Gardner case ever came about. Why? Why are we why are we wasting, you know, precious police uh, time going after a guy selling a Lucy cigarette? It's stupid. The whole thing was totally, completely, utterly stupid and unnecessary. Um, What this cop did in in the case uh, in New York was horrific. You get different circumstances, different times. I like body cams. I like more training. Um, I like the some of the ideas that the president accountability, a national database on cops, if they're having incidents of accusations of misconduct, et cetera. And again, new technologies that are nonlethal. I like all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're you're right on. I've I've read about some of your suggestions. You're right on track. The president is on track today. This idea of outside accountability is key. There's only so much, though, a president can do. So much of this is on a local level. It matters that he cares and that he's acting. Let me give you real quickly a case that's a paradigm for the kinds of problems he's identified and that hopefully would be fixed. 
Jermaine McBean is a young 33-year-old uh, information technology engineer, African-American, living in Broward County, Florida. He has, for a hobby, he gets an air gun. He's walking home with it. He's stopped by three cops who end up shooting him and killing him. As that case develops, we see the cops lying about it. We find out that the Broward County Sheriff's Office under Sheriff Israel has 66 officers charged or investigated for crimes like kidnapping, robbery, rape, assault, all sorts of things. Law enforcement officers. One officer on that department killed a man, put back on the force three weeks later, killed someone else. Accountability and outside investigation would matter. There were 167 civilians killed in Broward County in the 30 years that the prosecutor was the prosecutor leading up to this killing. Not one officer ever was disciplined or indicted until the killer of Jermaine McBean was indicted, Peter Peraza. He gets indicted, and now the police union takes over. These police unions are incredibly powerful. They help put the judge in office. He gets indicted for killing Jermaine McBean, and he claims stand your ground. There's no business for a law enforcement officer to have stand-your-ground immunity. So the case gets assigned to a local state judge put in office by the union, moonlights with the defense lawyer in the case, and he undoes what the grand jury did. He dismisses the entire case on stand-your-ground with phony findings. That's what infuriates, infuriates the public, and that's what a greater accountability does. And by the way, the Obama Justice Department did nothing in that case. So let's not, you know, uh, let's not talk about what could have been. I contacted them. Uh, they're fully aware of what happened. They said, well, they would watch and monitor. The prosecutor caught the lead chief uh, investigator committing perjury in the case. No consequences. There's only so much national can do. The accountability the president talks about is key. I think the accountability issue, and I think to become a more perfect union, Horace, this is what we do. We see what we do right. We see what we do wrong. Banning chokeholds. You know, I went into this, and I was watching Dan Bongino earlier on Fox today, and he was talking about a trach hold, very different. You know, if I put you in a trach hold, you're going to die. I mean, it's, if I'm doing it, and I know how to do it right, it would not, I would never do it. Um Unless my my very life was in imminent danger, I wouldn't go near it. A carotid uh, chokehold, rear naked choke, as they call it, in in the octagon. Um, yeah, under the right circumstances, you would use it. That's but the person would pass out, and then you just let your hands free, and the person is likely just going to try not feel good for a day, but get stand up. Uh, and be fine. Um, so there are ways to do it, but I, I don't think the training is there and exists for them, for every cop to do it right. And so just only under, you know, real danger, is it going to be allowed? And I, I think that's actually a good idea because there's no other outcome. If, the, if you put a guy's, your knee on a guy's neck like George Floyd and pound his face into the pavement, that person will die every single time, every time. And the fact that he even lived as long as he did is, is a shocker. Yeah. Well, that's, there's no doubt about that. Um, we absolutely are benefiting from being able to see this circumstance and this situation and see what reforms we need to make with regard to things like chokeholds and, and um, a database that will track. But there are conversations that we might want to have that I once had actually on a program you may remember. It was called Handy and Combs way back when Bill Clinton was president, and we were talking about this issue of giving law enforcement more responsibilities. Since the 1990s, we have expanded the kinds of things and the scope 
of responsibilities of law enforcement. And this requires us to have more manpower needed, and that has meant that we have, in, in many instances, had a lower level of skill. Why do we need police officers to enforce a tobacco tax? Why, when when, uh, the mayor of New York says that you can't have a a large sugary beverage, is that something for law enforcement? Why is misgendering something that we bring law enforcement in? Let's let law enforcement handle rapes and robbery and the kinds of things that are traditionally associated with it, and you can then maintain a high-caliber, quality level of law enforcement participation. But if law enforcement is going to be the tax collector for the welfare state and we need ever more amounts of revenue, you're going to have to have more and more people, and that means by natural nature that you're going to lower the standards. You know, I will tell you, uh, look, I'm I'm not getting into I think that the real issue and it's not uh, all these guys spend time in the range when they're going through school, but then they have to requalify, for example, for their shooting part and license part. Uh, David, first, I want you to respond to Horace and then I want you to say, you know, why aren't they getting continuing education all through their careers? Like every three months, every six months, every 12 months. The new technologies out there, David, and I, I put it on TV and radio last week in one case, but go ahead. No, you're right. First of all, you want me to respond to Horace. He's absolutely right. And you can make the same case for some of what's going on in the schools. You know, um, none of the cops are in the schools particularly want to be there. And they're, you know, treating like a crime at times, disciplinary problems. So, yeah, they, they've gone beyond their scope. Uh, let me make this point first, though, which I know is very important to you, Mr. Hannity. Cops are still our heroes. There's nothing new about yeah. what's going on today. This stuff's been going on for a long time, and it's going to happen in any kind of institution, either out of panic, lack of training, or, you know, bullyism. It happens, and there's only so much, again, we can do about that. There have been chokehold cases in City of Los Angeles versus Lyons 30 years ago and more, but the cops remain our heroes, and that's very important. With all of this talk lately with Antifa and the defunding, we've got to remember that at all points. Now, you're right about the training. There are programs for regular training, regular requalifying, and all of that, but not enough. New Orleans Police Department has some pioneering programs going on now with social services type training, psychological type training. But all you need is one incident to have this blow up. And so it's not unimaginable that there can be one bad officer on one police uh, department in the country, and we see a bad incident that's caught on video now. And again, it does remind us of what happens. It also must remind us of all of the good ones out there, too. Let me ask you, David, on a legal side, because, you know, I went over the law in Georgia in very great detail. You're familiar with it. And, you know, defining, you know, they're looking to charge this officer with either murder or felony murder. Um, Prosecutors often have this tendency to overcharge and then they create expectations of a specific verdict that's never going to come. What are your thoughts on the law? specifically based on what we went over in great detail on radio and TV yesterday. Yeah, well, you know, this case is still unfolding. I personally think the idea of charging felony murder in this case is a big mistake. That means a a murder was committed in the course of a felony. In this case, they're claiming he assaulted uh, the man first and then committed the murder. That's not what happened here. Um, What happened here is an absolute tragedy, and the forensics indicate the man was shot in the back. That's not permitted under clearly established law, under the criminal law or civil law. That's clear. We don't know yet whether he actually fired a taser or didn't fire a taser. If he fired a taser, a taser can be considered 
a deadly weapon. There's a case going through the circuit right now in the U.S. Court of Appeals, the 11th Circuit, where a man grabbed a taser and the police officer got qualified immunity um, because he feared for his life and that sort of thing. You know that politically they're going to end up charging murder in this case, obviously some variety of homicide, but probably murder because of the shots in the back. Um, we just have to see how it plays out. Let's not. The criminal justice system is a very blunt instrument. It's not the most effective instrument for dealing with these problems. Well, I think we've got to protect our cops. We've got to protect the people in our streets. What do you do about what's happening in Seattle when they take over streets? Horace. Well, uh, let me just echo a little bit about the criminal justice system. I'm really, really troubled really quick to just say it's, it has been troubling to see that prosecutors are be looking at the facts of the case and bringing them forward, instead responding to pressure. When we get to that point, and I have a piece out on Newsmax uh, talking about this, when we get to that point, we're jeopardizing everyone because at any point, any of us can become unpopular. Now, I was very, very dismayed by the fact that the governor and the mayor in Seattle decided that if you are upset and would like to protest, that it's okay to occupy property that is not yours to occupy, whether it's government-owned or whether it's private um, persons that own it. In no way should the governor or the mayor allow that to take place place. Now, did we need a SWAT team within the first hour? No, we didn't. But what we didn't need is to, quote, let it play out. That is sending a terrible signal, and that will likely have consequences. Well, I agree. And, but you know, it's the, and it's the governor and mayor's call. The president just keeps offering help, rightly. All right, David, Sean, Horace Cooper, thank you both. When we come back, wide open phones at the top of the next uh, hour. Uh, Ami Horowitz infiltrates the Chaz Chop autonomous summer of love uh, block party spaghetti, you know, pot, pot, what do you call them? Pop lunch, pot lunches or something. I don't know. Anyway, we'll get to that. He infiltrated. He'll tell us what's really going on next. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800 941. Sean, you want to be a part of this extravaganza? I gotta. I, I can't even explain the urgency I'm feeling about what we're all going to be doing in 140 days. This is it. This is the. This is the moment. This is the tipping point. This is where you know I think America now is at a crossroads, and I don't want this great country to descend into what is the predictable failure of socialism, radicalism, you know, and radical environmentalism. You know, these are this is a real clear present danger to the country. And as much as the America we know now that we grew up in will no longer exist, it'll be unrecognizable. And I've been warning about, you know, the the left used to hide where they're coming from. They don't they're not hiding anymore. You know, they argue conservatives are radical. That's actually not true at all. You know why? Because we believe in what uh, the Constitution we believe in protecting our borders. We believe in a strong national defense, peace through strength, because we believe in free and fair trade deals, because this president doesn't want to get us entangled in foreign conflicts, but nor is he going to back down as he's beaten ISIS and al-Baghdadi and Soleimani and the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. I mean, he gets credit for nothing. 
You know, look at what they've done with the phony Russia hoax. Look at that abuse of power this president has had to live through. You know, then the ridiculous, phony, hypocritical impeachment, all while ignoring quid and pro and quo and Joe and zero experience Hunter. Um, what is it? What does the Democratic Party want? Everything's going to be free, 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 free school, free pre-garden, pre-K, free college, free, 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 free health care, free guaranteed student loans and jobs and government healthy food and retirement and Medicare for all. And you can't it's unsustainable. You know, the history of socialism is this history of failure. It's chapter four when my book comes out, Live Free or Die. This is it. I've, made, I've written the definitive case. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today, but we do have a special uh, first edition box set if you want to give a special gift to dad. And you just got to go to Hannity.com. And it's it's actually pretty nice. It's very nice gift. You could even get it on Sunday if you're like me and procrastinate. Um, and if you didn't get your dad something, get your dad something. It doesn't have to be my book. Get him something. I mean, we always celebrate Mother's Day. We always seem to forget Dad's Day. Um, but you know what? They, you know, I was explaining this to somebody. Linda, you might be interested in this. It's like the, most of the my guy friends, right? We all have guy friends. You have girlfriends, right? I my, got all kinds the, of friends. Oh, you're friends with everybody. I mean, the whole That's world right. talks to you. I talk to I nobody I love talking now. to people. It's my favorite thing. You love thing. talking. I know. You talk to everybody. Talk all morning, all afternoon, <laughs> and all night. Talk, 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 talk. And when I, I want to talk. I seem to be in the right business then, right? And I, I want to talk. You don't want to let it. You don't, want, you don't even want to talk to me, which I can't I love talking to you. I'll, I'll talk to you all I'll, the time. I'll talk to you all the time. You have um, a tendency to talk over me, but other than that, you're fine. Uh, but anyway... Um, <laughs> Hannity.com, by the way, if you'd like to get this for your dad for Father's Day, you can get even get it last minute. Now, here's the thing. Um, and I was talking about the idea. I always feel that it's my job. I feel the urgency. You know, I have this little scale thing that I tell Linda about once in a while. There's certain, you know, some of my friends, family members, they don't have any urgency in life. They, they, they have low blood pressure. They're the ones that are never going to get sick. They're, they're the ones that, you know, if, okay, well, all right, I'll get that done, you know, 400 days from now. I'm like, now, we got to fix it now. That's just uh-huh. the way I roll. I uh-huh. think you're a lot like me in that way. Uh-huh. Um, other people are more chill, and I admire that they're chill, but I just don't know how to do it. No, I've never been that way, can't be that way, never will be that way. It's just never going to happen. No matter what, I feel urgency and you know, I just think that like fathers in particular feel, and at least most like my guy, guys that I know, they feel an urgency about, okay, I got to pay for college. You got to, I got to put money away for this. I got to try and save for that. I got to do this. You know, I, yeah. It's a really good point that you make, which is, you know, a lot of people, I agree with you that there, there seems to be more of a focus on, on Mother's Day than Father's Day. And I think a part of that is just, you know, it, it, it's like you always go to your mom for all the things. You're like, oh, I got a boo-boo, I'm hungry. Ever since you're a kid, right? This is what you do. Um, at least that's the way it is in my house. But I think, you know, we have to remember our dads. And, you know, I know the one thing that I got from, from my dad and my mom growing up, but my dad especially, you know, he was really into politics. He was really into history. And, you know, he was like, you got to know where you come from to know where you're going. You know, mm-hmm. you got to learn from your mistakes. He's like, if you make a mistake, that's fine. If you don't learn from it and you do it again, that's not fine. And listen, I think that's I, I, what live for your die is, is all about. It's like, you, you guys got to know the history of this nation. Oh my God. It's, it, it's scaring the, it, it's speaking of urgency. It's just, I'm feeling it. 
Right. And um, you look at the autonomous zone, right? And we I, look at a lot of the people in the, the autonomous zone. It's a lot of young people. Like they haven't really gone out into the world yet and done a lot of the work. They don't have kids yet. Like they don't even like once you have a child, you know, it, all bets are off because you're a wreck. The rest of your life, you're a wreck. You got an Achilles heel because you're always worried about your child. So that it's is the like, one thing that is the only one thing in life that I can really genuinely say mm-hmm. I worry about. You always worry yeah. about your kids. Always. And, but, I, but the thing is, is, you know, I hate my kids hate when I talk about my past they're like, uh, their eyes roll over. You wash mm-hmm. dishes. You did, you know, they don't want to hear it. I realize yeah. they just don't want to hear it. They don't care. It's not the life they've lived. They, they've, they've made great achievements on their own merits. They don't need to hear dad's story again and again and about their grandparents and about their great grandparents and about, uh, you know, they just don't need to hear it. Well, my but mom I, and dad always say that when I, when I was a teenager, they got very stupid. When I was around 25, they got real smart again. And well, I was my like, father a had a similar line. My father's yeah. line was, how did I survive all these years without you? <laughs> how did I survive? Very, it's very oh, it actually true. became a big family joke. How did I ever it's survive? It's true. Well, I tell my kids all the time, I'm not your friend. Maybe no. later in life, I'll be your friend. I'm not, I'm not your friend. I have no, no I, I'm, I am here to tell you this is it. Mm-hmm. This is what the reality is. This is what the truth is. Mm-hmm. These are what the consequences will be. Don't like it? Tough. Be a parent. No, I have you can a be a friend so- later, hundred percent. I have a slight softer side. I'm not quite as soft as you, but that's it. Mm. I'm just. But it's um, the hardest but job f- you'll listen, ever do, and the most important job you ever do. It, it it certainly is, and you know we've got Ethan on our show, who's who's got his. Oh, son, he's got Caleb. a little baby. He's getting big. How old's the baby and, now, Ethan? Just over yeah, one. Yep. I remember a year ago. It's very interesting day. Yeah, day. that was a unique week. That was oh, a unique God. week. On the program. I think all of us will remember that to the day we die. We're we're actually preparing like a medevac, uh, if I remember correctly. Well, you Um, were. The rest of us were living in normalcy saying, uh, no. Mm -hmm. My idea would have worked. Ethan was fine with it. The only one who wasn't fine with it was you. You And and maybe his wife. And of course, you just can't ignore... Oh, the wife didn't care. She wouldn't have Oh, cared. Uh, she oh, might have cared. No. Might have. Oh, now <laughs> you tell little. me because you, you were sucking up to me a year ago telling me Oh, that I'm always sucking fine. up to you, Sean. You First know that. First of all, it yeah. is not sucking up. It is being a team no, player. No, he sucks up to you. If we're going to be really honest, he sucks no, up to you more than me. First of all, me. nobody sucks up to me. Okay. My name's that's on the bottom total of the check. Complete. All right, let's have a vote. Ethan? Oh, my God. Do you God. suck no up to Linda? Seriously? No. Be honest. Honestly, no. I, I will Your do. Your voice and went I, up. I think that this is you a totally thing for the entire team. No, I think Jason, everyone... does Ethan suck up to Linda? Tell the truth. No, nobody does that. I don't know where you're hearing these things. It's all in your head. You're been hit too much in the face. Now, right this moment, you're being sucked up. I think up. Both everyone of you. works their ass off on this team. And, Everybody and does. We all I appreciate agree. each other. So if something goes wrong, we're going to try to help each other no matter what. See that? Oh it's a good God. thing you wrote this book last year because, you know, you're starting to lose it. I don't know. I don't oh, know yeah. These ideas are coming yeah, from and I'm losing. I am losing it. I'm, I'm, I'm but, feeling... And then since you days. are, since since you are, I'll take it over for you and just remind the audience that Father's Day is five days from today. Yeah. So you know, get online, get on Hannity.com, get a gift that matters that you can have a conversation about with your family. You know that you can bond with Dad this, over this and get his it. perspective. You know, this is this is this the is book. The this definitive is the conversation. book on what is at stake: our history, the the Democratic agenda. Mm-hmm. What the, what mm-hmm. what exactly? Because I don't even think. Most people, because this is not what you do full time. And it's, Most ha- people... it's hard to buy for dad. You know, how many socks and ties and golf balls and oh I don't know, God. whatever else, you know, I'm always, it's always a struggle, you know, 
Yeah. This is like by the a way, really my nice family gift. hates me because they can buy me nothing. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, nice shirt here, Uncle James. Well, first oh, of all, giving you, you a shirt gift here, is Uncle annoying. James, because you don't like to be surprised. It's actually very annoying. Anyway, so we're going to go through the history of what made this country great. Mm-hmm. We're going to go through the the failures of socialism. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a, a chapter and verse on the Democratic 2020 agenda. Yeah. We're going to show you how bad the deep state was and how we got it right and why it matters. Impeachment, that failed attempt to destroy the president. The mob, the media, we go after them full force. Uh, the real oppressive uh, underpinnings of leftism, extremism, radicalism, the president's what the president accomplished comprehensively. In other words, what he's done, and when you see it, it's like, a long list and then how we will come back from coronavirus and what it means and what's at stake for the country it is if you need a guide it is it to know everything you can't even possibly get it in four hours a day i can't do all this material it, it, it took a book to do it it really did and it's also good to have a book because you can reference i mean there's a lot of information and in look this it book. up it, yep it's you know and true. say oh wait what was that again when was that you know it's a heavily researched book it's oh, all yeah. backed by facts it's all sourced you know this isn't opinion this is you know no you, there's you opinion might, in there well, there is, but it's based but there's a on lot of tr- just it's based on a lot of truth. Just this is what this is what they want. This is what right. the president's going to do. This is this is where your choice is. This exactly. is how we grew into the greatest country God mm-hmm. gave man. You right. know, this is what will preserve liberty and freedom for future generations. This is now the republic. Can you keep it moment? This and that's is why freedom it matters. is it matters. Yeah. That's why freedom, as Reagan said, is just but one generation away from extinction. We're I think we're at that moment. I agree with you. It's a scary time. Yeah, I'm, I'm beginning to feel the urgency. I'm feeling yep. it big time. All right, yeah. uh, do I have time for a quick call here? You sure do. Get a couple in. Uh, doc in uh, Florida. Doc, how are you? Are you a real doctor? Sean Hannity, you are the voice of the Republic, my friend. What's you up, know, my, my friend? Name, my name is Doc, Dr. Drake, uh, but I am Trump's number one African-American fan. I am winning over Democrats by walking them past their emotions. And for instance, if it's about Confederate or slavery, I ask them questions like, if it's about Confederates, why do most black people name a lot of their kids Robert Lee? You know what I mean? Uh, if it's about slavery, why are, why are a lot of black people uh, joining fraternities? That comes from getting branded in slaves and, and Greek, Greek societies. They had, they had slaves. I just keep walking them past their emotions. You know, I'm winning them over. I promise you I'm winning them over. And then I talk about, see, when we say 1994 crime bill, that's talking over our demographic's head. I say, you know, the 1994 crime bill, like, what's that? I say, well, let's, the three strikes law. They go, oh, I, yeah, Joe Biden wrote that. See, you have to talk, I talk in their language so they can get it. Just telling them what Joe Biden did means nothing unless you explain to them what it is. And then I talk about, say, Robert Byrd. They'd be like, who is that? I, and I show them that he was a Klan's member. I show them all that. And then I tell them whose mentor it was. I break them down so well so they can see what the real deal is. And then I show them what Trump is doing for this great country. Trump is the perfect person to have in office right now because who else would you want to have in office to get this? country back on track sean i appreciate what you are doing thank you for being the voice of the republic in every situation i show them that trump 
is actually for America. And I, I really appreciate what you are doing, Sean. Thank you for being consistent and being the voice. I love All right, you. Dr. Drake, you're, you're a good man. I appreciate the call and your kind words as well. Who is it? And Jamie, every time I just try to have a normal conversation with you, it just goes right to insults. Um, is that against the law? Is it is against the law to insult a man in blue? Do you understand that it's not a normal conversation? Uh, you guys get called why, all the time. Why we're concerned? And you get and you take down the blacks and you get video. That's Have a good day, Jamie. I want him arrested for physical assault. You. We're here to have our demands met. So every single day that I show up here, I'm not here to peacefully protest. I'm here to disrupt until my demands are met. You cannot rebuild until you break it all the way down. Respond to the demands of the people or prepare to be met with any means necessary. By any means necessary. That's not just a slogan. No. 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 It's not a slogan. It's not even a warning. I'm letting people know what comes next. A response to violence is not violence itself. The Seattle Police Department turns in their badges. We'll have made a move forward. Do you, in other words, not defund the police, abolish? Abolish the police state. So speaking of the criminal justice system, do you think that it's so inherently biased, so inherently racist, that the criminal justice system, the courts, all of that need to be taken away? Absolutely. Without question. And then what? Again, you're asking a question that cannot be answered. The unraveling that happens to that system is also exactly what will fuel the black minds and the black bodies that will recreate a new world. Should uh, is, should we abolish the prison system? Then? Yes, we should get rid of it as we know it today. Get rid of it? Yes. Okay. I don't understand why more journalists are not asking those questions. We run to black people the minute that they're killed, and we have been seeing them be killed for so long that the PTSD from that is unbelievable. You have people still bitching about 9-11. Unbelievable. One act of terror. You're not considering me as a human. You're not considering me as an American citizen. You are still looking at me as an enslaved individual. Do you feel like an American? I am an African brought to America. Thank you. Think about it. All right, that first cut. Glad you're with us, by the way. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. We'll get back to your calls, uh, final half hour of the program today. Uh, the first was uh, this woman that is having, well, really attacking the police. Police are being very cordial. Can you please not curse at us? We can have a civil conversation. And nobody's near her, nowhere near her. Just starts screaming. We showed it on TV last week. Um, the the second is uh, our friend Ami Horowitz, uh, satirist, documentarian, and he's the guy that you know, he goes in Honduras and all the people that are traveling, the migrations, he just joins in the crowd. As a, he just does crazy work, but we like him a lot, and he's funny. Um, anyway, that was him. Apparently, you made it inside of Chaz, or we got a new name for it now. What's the new name? The new name is Cha. 
top, which if you ask me, is a little bit on the nose for what will ultimately result, like the French Revolution ultimately ended in. So, yeah, they went from Chaz to Chop. Oh, I don't know why. I don't care why. They're a bunch of little jerks. Oh, ouch. All right, so why were you there, um, and how long were you there? Let's start at that point. Well, I went there, as you know, if there's something interesting going on in the world, I got to go. So all, right, now exp- because- all right, now let's even backtrack. Explain just a few of your little adventures. Oh, uh, interviewing uh, Hamas and ISIS. My favorite was probably uh, going on the raft with the Syrian refugees across the Aegean Sea into Greece. That was probably my, my favorite and definitely my wife's least favorite thing that I have done. So oh, I can, I'm, I'm kind of on her side on this, but keep going. It's Father's Day week, so... Yeah, so this doesn't rank quite as high, although we were met with very armed guards with rifles and all a military kit who came up to us and gave us a very stern warning on what our behavior was like. And, of course, we were threatened, and that was before they recognized me. When they recognized me, all hell broke out loose, and we had to just take off. But what I found well, let, in let, yeah, this, Let's talk now. What, specifically, what do they want? What are they saying? There's a report today they might be negotiating. They probably need food, water, and all sorts of other things. But um, And beer. I hear beer is high on the list. But I'm assuming they're going to give up some blocks or some area back if, uh, in fact, I guess their demands are met. What are they telling you? Yeah, so here's, so I had the opportunity, the rare opportunity, to interview the woman you just played. Her name is Jade. She's one of the founders and one of the main organizers of BLM Seattle and this autonomous zone that they took over in Seattle. And they have a very specific list of demands, which is wholly unserious, although being taken quite seriously by the mainstream media. I had to find out if this is something she was involved in and agrees with. Okay, first of all, we all know, right, we all that this thing is almost passe at this point. They want to abolish the police, not defund, right? She was clear, abolish the police, no police force whatsoever. But then they go on, they double down. They said they want to abolish the court system because to them, judges, juries, even they're black, are inherently racist because they are part of the slave culture of this country. Beyond that, they want to, they want to take down the prison system. They want every prisoner out and free because we don't have the means to try them in a fair way, so therefore they should be free. Their, their views, look, at the end of the day, you look to yourself and go, well, these don't make any sense. Well, they do make sense when you understand what they want. What they want, Sean, is a descent into chaos, and they want to guide us down there. Because only when you have chaos, only when you burn the S down, as they say repeatedly, and like she said, not a slogan, because they've done it and they continue to do it. Right, they did that Wendy's in Atlanta. They want total destruction, and it's not—I'm not putting words in their, in their mouth. Because only then could they recreate what we have here in their own warped image. That's ultimately what they want, John. So you're talking to all these people, and for a time you're not recognized. How long were you able to stay there without being recognized? And how many people are armed inside of? Uh, Chaz or Chop or whatever they're calling it now. Well, thank God the left doesn't care that much in the Second Amendment. So most of the people there are not armed. But there are roving, you know, I don't know if they're official, they're unofficial, you don't know. But I would say that I saw at least eight or nine guys. It's not a particularly large area. It's not really six, a six-block radius. It really is about three or, three or four-block radius. So it's not a particularly large neighborhood they took over or portion of a neighborhood. But there are a number of, of, of very armed people there. We were there all day. Um, until probably the last hour when somebody you know recognized me and, and, and the gig was up. So 
So we got really to get we were able to get under the covers in this place. I want to point something else out, which I think is really important. Okay, and and look, I'm, as you can tell, I'm fired up, and I'm not going to let these totalitarian, you know, neo Bolshevik revolutionary cancel culture jerks shut me up. But you want to be honest, you want to be real about what's going on. There not only is this crazy town and they hate America, there's a real undercurrent, real undercurrent of anti-Semitism that's going around. It goes hand in hand, okay? You know, you saw Ice Cube tweeting multiple anti-Semitic tweets and he's looked upon as a hero. And I was interviewing people and the Jews came up quite a bit. The Jews, Israel, Black Lives, a lot of people don't know this, Black Lives Matter, which you would think would be focused completely on black lives. And in their view, the brutality of the police onto black people, they took precious space in their manifesto. Talk about one thing, one thing other than black lives. They spilled ink on, on, on the canard that the one Jewish state Israel is committing genocide. They needed to, to pause from their main mission to protect black people to attack Jews. This is the ugly undercurrent of this organization. And this is why it, it drives me nuts that people are looking at them like a real heroic mainstream organization. I don't think that they are. Not really one group, is it? I mean, there are, I, I, I'm assuming that many of them are probably just meeting each other inside the autonomous zone, the summer of free love zone and potluck spaghetti and, you know, street celebrations and one big block party, as the mayor keeps describing this. Um, is there any one group that you can see or identify as actually leading or organizing this thing? Yeah, Seattle Black Lives Matter is the group behind this whole thing. There, there okay. is one organized now, group. Now, what did you have to do? Because they, I noticed that the left doesn't like walls, but immediately they built the wall, and they're not very inclusive. It's not open borders in inside of CHOP or CHAZ uh, in the summer of free love. So what did you have to do with the process to get in there? They love big, beautiful walls. Big, high, beautiful walls. They love it. They love uh, it. Well, look, it, the truth is, it was. It's not hard to get. You can go in and go out pretty freely. You didn't have to. I didn't have to apply for a visa at the uh, Chaz Consulate in New York before I came out here. There, there is relative freedom. Now there are people there, kind of scary-looking people who are looking at you coming, coming out. They're eyeballing you. The moment you get in, they they radio to people that they think you're, you know, like me. When I first came in with my camera crew, they quickly radioed people saying, "Hey, we got people here coming in. Not sure what their what their agenda is." Like I said, within a few minutes, these armed guards, the rifles came sauntering up to us, full military kit, and started interrogating us, really interrogating us on why we were there. So it's not hard to get in and out. Um, although if you're a resident, I mean, it's hell on earth if you're a resident, because whole, your whole building is graffitied, windows are busted. You need, you need somebody to guide. You literally, when you leave, you have to have um, these, these Chaz Chop guys come to you and guide you out, because you really can't leave the place otherwise. So, look, well, you mean it's easier quite, to get in than to get out? Yeah, if you're a resident, yes. It is. Well, yeah, if you're a resident, it's hard either way. But if you're, if you're going to visit uh, the, the land of Utopia, then, yeah, you can go in and out pretty easily on foot. Um, but they are watching everybody. Nothing okay, where, where are they getting all their supplies, their food? What are they doing with the trash? You know, um, I, I, apparently, I mean, is, is there enough supplies, food, everything? Do you have pot like potluck spaghetti dinners? Does this seem like a street festival to you or a block party, as the mayor says? Does this look like a place of, you know, the summer of love, as she has described it? Look, it, there's a veneer of a very dirty fe- fe- uh, 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 festival. Yes, it does. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of corporate sponsors. Ben and Jerry's was there giving out free ice cream. A lot of people came oh out to God. get to create these booths to get free. Oh, yeah. Oh, and by the way, when they were mentioning Ben and Jerry, 
people took the time to mention to me, you know, yeah, it's great Ben and Jerry's are here. They support Israel. Okay, they had to they had to throw that at me. But yeah, no, there's a lot of people who are sponsoring them, giving them food. Keep in mind, Black Lives Matter. We don't know how much money they've raised. I mean, I imagine they've raised a lot but, of money. But but okay. there is a distinction, isn't there, or is there not, between the group Black Lives Matter. You know, they're the ones we heard on tape saying, what do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? Pigs in a ba- blanket, plurium like bacon. And those that maybe are chanting Black Lives Matter that are not part of any organized group. There's a difference, is there not? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Of course. The vast majority of people who are, look, I support black lives. Black lives matter to me. Of course they do. Obviously. We don't want to see anybody who shouldn't be killed or who who wasn't committing a crime uh, ending up dead in the street. Okay. But I am making a distinction between the organization and the flaws of the organization versus the people who are supportive of them. Of course. Now, if you ask me again, when I was in New York, and in Seattle, and Minneapolis, I was all over these places, the people who are protesting, when you ask them, do you support the violence? The vast majority, and I spoke to hundreds of people, the vast majority of the people I spoke to, white, black, young, old, they told me that the violence is justified. Over and over again, on camera, off camera. Wow. I want to make that all right, clear. Stay right there. Ami Horowitz is uh, with us, uh, and he infiltrated the chop zone that... The Chaz location, the autonomous zone. We'll get more details on the other side. Then your call's coming up. All right, final minute and a half. Ami Horowitz is with us. He made it into and in chronicling and interacting with folks at the autonomous zone. Chaz, Chop, whatever you want to call it. All right, so you, you gave us what their mission statement is. That's all well and good, I guess. And their list of demands, that's fine. Um, where are they getting their support from? Where Where's the food coming in from? Where's the medicines coming in from? Have you seen any violence within the walls of the autonomous zone? So I didn't see any violence uh, while I was there, although people were threatening us while we were there. But I didn't see any actual violence. Although, I'll tell you a funny, quick story. There was one guy who was trying to explain to me how love and peace this place is and was mentioning, hey, some Christian came here and was spewing Christianity, you know, this hate, like his Christianity is hate these guys. And we let him talk, man. It was cool. And a guy walking by me said, oh, no, no, no. That guy was choked out, almost beaten to death. So, yeah, again, it's this whole thing I keep going back to, this idea of it looks all fun and great. The veneer is all happy and street party, but you just scratch the surface, man, and the ugliness comes out. As far as the, the, the funding goes, we just don't know. It's totally opaque. We don't know where their money's coming from, how much money they have. I do know, like I said, they had a ton of people coming in and donating food and creating these, like, you know, these uh, sidewalk grills for people, and it was all free. Um, you know, they've tried to... They literally try to create their own, you know, uh, co-op farm, uh, but they're not really good at it. So they had like a, they had like a, a um, cardboard I gotta... box. And they put some dirt on it and they try to grow stuff out of it. All right, listen, I, I, I it's amazing stuff. Uh, we're going to try and show this tonight on Hannity if we can turn this tape around. Uh, Nine Eastern on Fox. Ami, great job as always. Appreciate you and uh, thanks so much for being with us. When we come back, final half hour, wide open call, straight ahead. I wish I could say that hate began with Donald Trump and will end with him. It didn't and it won't. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. I'm running for the same exact reason when I started. To restore some dignity to the office, to make sure that African-Americans and minorities get treated well. The two-party system is good for the South and good for the... 
good for the black in the South. The pandemic has unleashed familiar forces of hate, fear, and xenophobia that he always flames and fans the flames. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. There has never been a president in American history who has been as so openly racist and divisive as this man. You got the first sort of mainstream African American who is articulate and bright and all right, there it is. Biden makes attacks and uh, it bounces back on Biden. Shocking. I, I, I honestly don't think this guy can even remember at this point, you know, his positions on a whole variety of issues. I just don't think he can. And, you know, you, when you start going through, he says all of, you know, now he, whatever the issue is, he just tries to go out there and sound like the radical extreme socialist, no matter what his past policies once were. Um, the recent video, video cl- uh, clip resurfaces showing Biden calling members of a, quote, Confederate heritage group fine people. Um, you saw, I, I mean, okay, okay if, what is your position, Joe? Sounds to me Joe will do and say anything that he needs to say or do that he believes will get him elected president. And we've seen this with a lot of Democrats. You know, all these Democrats, including him, praising Robert KKK Byrd, you know, the former grand poobah, whatever you call that idiot leader of that, that, you know, racist organization. You know, but no, if it was Trump, forget it. It's always the if what if Donald Trump did it? What if you did it? We'd go to jail. They always seem to get away with things, meaning the left. Um, the double standard is palpable. Quid and pro and quo and Joe. And here's the you don't get a billion unless you fire the prosecutor investigating zero experience hunter. You know, then, of course, zero experience. Uh, we find none, none, no experience whatsoever. Bank of China billion later becomes a billion five. Wow. Great ride. Worth, worth it. Go, getting on Air Force Two with dad, the vice president. Um, so. It's it's you know, it speaks volumes. I keep going back to Terry McAuliffe. Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine with him in the basement. Absolutely fine. You know, and the reason I'm fine with him in the basement is because uh, he only sees two people a day. It's two body. All the time, oh, we got to get the vice president out of the basement. He's fine in the basement. <laughs> two people see him a day. His two body people. That's it. And let Trump keep doing what Trump's doing. It's hard for the vice president to break through. One update by this. Burisma Holdings going to be a problem at some point when we have a real campaign. I doubt the mob and the media will ask him any questions. Yeah, but I see that Burisma Holdings now, uh, where they paid zero ex- experience Hunter millions of dollars, is now being accused of attempting to bribe Ukrainian officials with more than five million bucks in order to end a corruption probe into that company. Whoopsie daisy. Ah, what does Hunter have to say about this? Can't go running into John Kerry like he did the last time. Yeah, um, what else? It, it's just everything we know about Joe Biden. And you know what? Eventually, he's going to have to come out of the basement. America's, gonna, America's got to take a look. And I think the single defining issue on top of his horrible track record, you know, they didn't make any reforms after Ferguson. They didn't make any reforms after Cambridge. 
They didn't make reforms after Baltimore. You know, in, in all these cases, they rushed to judgment and they were wrong. And then it turns out being wrong. And then in the aftermath, they don't do anything. Well, President Donald Trump today, he's doing what he usually does. He ends up fixing the mess that all the that the Obama administration, Biden administration left for him. That's it. You know, he's he gave a statement acknowledging law some law enforcement, some gravely misused their authority and have caused communities uh, particularly African-American communities, to mistrust them. They're going to order uh, the establishment of a national certification and credentialing system for law enforcement agencies in order to create a federal database to track officers accused of wrongdoing, like excessive use of force. That might be an issue with some of the cops that we were talking about last night, or one of them in particular. Health and Human Services to, to work on encouraging police departments to involve mental health uh, professionals, more training, also looking for alternative means, non-lethal means of force. Uh, that's that's something I believed in. Banning chokeholds. Okay, we've been over, unless your life is, if your life's in danger, it's all bets are off. You, you got to do what you got to do to save your own life. Um, it's, it's, you know, amazing. What did Joe do? Nothing. What did Barack do? Nothing. Uh, all right. And, you know, being a cop is, you know, all these officers now are resigning. All these officers that stay around because they love the job, they're now retiring because it's not worth it to them anymore. They see they're not getting support. Broad sweeping generalizations. You can't forget the 99% of good cops out there. You can't forget about them. You did, I mean, are we that selfish, short-sighted? Is, are we such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society that we don't remember 9-11? Anyway, Ray Florida next, Sean Hannity Show. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm blessed. Sean, good to talk with you. Uh, yesterday, when you were struggling with what happened in at Atlanta, and you asked the question, how did it all go wrong so fast? I thought about you because my daughter was killed in 2006 by a drunk driver. Uh, she was fleeing the police, and here's the thing. They had found her in a parking lot at 5 o'clock that afternoon, and uh, she was drunk, and they let her go home. They, they had grace. Someone came and got her, and they took her home. But then she went out on her own again later that night when my daughter was sitting at a red light. And, and the thing is is that they could have rest, arrested her and may have prevented my daughter's death. But what happens is that cops make split-second decision on the information they have at the time. And what we do is that we do the Monday morning quarterback, and we go in hindsight if we could do it all over again. You know, we, we do things differently. But they make decisions based upon the information they have, and, and a lot of times they do the best they can. But what happened in Atlanta, we immediately saw this as a racial issue. And, and what it did is it made this an entirely different issue because, you know, racism isn't political it's not liberal. It's not conservative. It's not a social class issue. It's a spiritual issue. I heard you say many times, you know, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that includes mm -hmm. everybody, regardless of your skin color. There's, you know, there's nobody, sin, and we can't we can't pass a law to fix that. We have the Ten Commandments, but people still kill. They still commit adultery. They still bear false witness. And the only way we can solve this is is we repent, we forgive one another, and we strive to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because you know. We need to look at each other at each other as God looks at us as one race. We are one race. We are. I agree. We are. We're all children of God, and we're all imperfect. Yes. You know, and we've all fallen we short. But we also we want to mistakes. be a more perfect union, and a being a more perfect union and helping with relations and uh, with the police and communities means that we reevaluate chokeholds, that we look for new, greater technology, non-lethal, that will protect police, protect the community, and, and lead to less death.
Um, we can do that. Um, there are so many other things that we can implement as well. I, I, I certainly believe that, you know, just my limited training, me being a student of the arts, I can tell you, looking at both these cases, which are very different, but looking at both of them, it, it is the lack of training is it's it's so bad. It's let me just be blunt. It's awful. It's just I, I am shocked at the lack of training. We can, we can fix that and be a more perfect union. And I think things I, I like the idea of helping on the mental health side of things. Cops can't know everything. You know, they're there to keep order and and put their lives on the line. And they do. And then 99 percent. I don't I hate when we have broad sweeping generalizations, but we can be a better people. Best first thing you do is you got to recognize your mistakes. What do we do wrong? What do we, what do, we do wrong on coronavirus? Watch well, time. It, yeah. Well, we, and, and by the way, thanks for the call, Ray. What do we do? We got it wrong in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. We learned. What did we do right? Well, I know there are a couple of cases. Percentage-wise, it's going up in some places, reopening. Um, and we, we're jumping on those hot spots fast. This was the worst pandemic, and it would have been infinitely worse had Donald Trump not taken very fast action on the travel ban and the quarantines and the subsequent travel bans. That bought us a lot of time and saved us likely tens and tens and tens of thousands of lives. And he got criticized for it. All right, let's go to John in Florida. John, hi, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my call. Uh, first time caller, but long time listener. Um, I want to talk about the, uh, the, the Chaz or the Chop or whatever they're calling it. Um, I'm a 30-year-old conservative millennial. I was born in the Dominican Republic. And some of the things that I've seen in that so-called autonomous zone are very reminiscent of what I experienced growing up in, in my home country, where lawlessness and anarchy is part and parcel of living there. I mean, sure, you know, you have a president, you have a government, you have all these, you know, what you would find here in the United States, but uh, people do whatever the hell they want. Uh, it's it's free-for-all, you know, traffic lights don't work. Everybody, you know, drives like, uh, like maniacs on the road. Uh, if you unfortunately get shot, don't even bother counting the police because they're too busy, you know, in, in their station, you know, twirling their thumbs, you know, playing dominoes and doing whatever the hell they want. Um, and and it's just very scary to see that we, in a, in a country that's built on law and order, uh, that we allow these things to happen. You know, and, and I kind of see, I don't want to say that I'm completely uh, disappointed in President Trump. No, on, on the contrary, I understand the, the dilemma that he's facing. But, um, you know, he should realize that neither Governor Inslee nor the Seattle mayor or doing anything to quell this problem, and he should invoke the insurrection act and say, look, I gave you guys, I gave you both of you plenty of time to get your act together. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it for you, because this is not going to fly here. You know, this they, they have tried it in other parts of the country, in Texas and other Republican states, you know, they've tried this, and uh, sheriffs and everybody else said, nah, we're not having that here. But, of course, when you're in a liberal state, you know, law again, lawlessness, anarchy, and a disregard for the rules seems to be the, the name of the game. Uh, Trump needs to realize that you know, there are American citizens in these places that are suffering be- because of the of, of uh, Democratic governors and mayors that you know just simply allow their citizens to do whatever they want and are suffering because of it. So you know, if Trump needs to realize. You know, I, I, I don't think the president. Listen, when if it gets bad, I'm sure the president will go in. It, we'll we'll know we'll know when that moment is. I don't think it's going to be. It, there won't be any ambiguity. In the meantime. The lunatic governor and the lunatic mayor that don't that won't and refuse all help from the president and don't believe in law and order and that are even praising the anarchy and anarchists. You know what? It's their problem. They own it. If if, if it has to get cleaned up, it will. 
But it's really their job. That is not Donald Trump's job. He's offered help. He offered help again today. He's offered help yesterday. He's offered help the day before. Um, they don't want it. They don't want it in Chicago either. All I know is 34 people got shot this weekend in Chicago and two were murdered. And you don't, I, I guarantee you, uh, if I did a poll of this audience, I bet nobody can name one person that was shot and killed. Not one. Uh, and, you know, we have weekends before what the biggest, the worst weekend day, single day of killings, you know, ever. It's been like this all throughout, you know, Barack Obama's term and Joe's term. They didn't do a thing. Um, you know, I think you got to be prudent. I think you got to be prepared. I think you keep offering help. You watch, you make sure that if, 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 if things at some moment get out of hand, and they still refuse to restore order, the president will do what the president must do. Um, I don't like it for a lot of reasons. He has the constitutional authority to do it. We all know about it. Attorney generals weighed in on it. There's no ambiguity. The president has full, complete constitutional authority to do it. But if they don't want the help, and it's not imminent, you know, let them play it out any way they want. If succumbing to the demands of a mob is their way of getting this accomplished, I don't like that philosophy. What message does that send about law and order? But, you know, they're running their states. You know, I, I'm stupid because I live in New York. It's mostly been because of my work. I'd like to get the hell out of here at this point. I'm sick of the taxes. I'm sick of the lack of services. I am sick. And I'm even told by the governor that we he doesn't want conservatives in this state. Uh, I'm not a real New Yorker. not me and the Democrats. Their problem is themselves. Who are they? Are they these extreme conservatives who are right to life, a poor assault weapon, anti-gay? Is that who they are? Because if that's who they are, and if they are the extreme conservatives, they have no place in the state of New York. So this because that's not who New Yorkers are. Okay. Except for the part about anti-gay, I'm pro-Second Amendment, I'm conservative, I'm pro-life. Okay, I'm guilty. They, take, they don't have any problem taking my money every year, and they got a lot of it. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. A lot of news, 140 days till you are the ultimate jury. Kevin McCarthy, Trey Gowdy, Ari Fleischer, Matt Getz, Ami Horowitz infiltrating the, yes, autonomous Chaz Chop uh, free love zone. He has a special report. Judge uh, Janine Pirro, Dan Bongino, Geraldo, Leo and Larry, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. Hope you set your DVR. See you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. Have a great night. See you later.